Well, we're continuing our study through the book of Revelation. I might, uh, I've let you out early the past couple weeks. I might be taking that back today. If you remember what's our motivation for studying this book, the most significant motivation is Revelation 1.3. It says, God blesses the man who reads this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to it and obey what it says. For the time is near when these things will happen. How many can really sense a, a presence of God, not just today, but a continuing, growing sense of God's presence in your life? We have a, more of a desire to want to be here. We have more of a desire to want to read and want to pray. We want to see what God's going to do next. And if that's happening, you know what else is going to happen as well. The enemy is going to oppose whatever we want to do. And I believe the more we study God's word, as we heard this morning, it's not going to be easy. There will be things come up that the enemy throws in our path. But we have to be strong enough that we're going to fight through that. And we believe that God is going to give us the victory. The Bible says he's going to raise up a standard against the enemy. But we have to be ready for that. And I think as we study God's word, we are going to be ready for that. And like I said earlier in the series, that God is going to do something tremendous in our midst. So we continue as we study. Now, all these things that happen after chapter 4, we believe these events are going to take place after the rapture, but we need to be ready for that rapture. First Thessalonians 5, 4 says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. The verse we read at the beginning says, for the time is near when these things will happen. Are we alert to that? Are we ready for that? You know, and the Bible talks about, you know, people saying, oh, you've been talking about that for years. It's not happened. It can happen at any moment. And we need to be ready for that. And God wants us to be prepared for this event. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. None of us are appointed to receive what happens in the tribulation. And none of us are, are supposed to go to hell. The Bible says it was created for the devil and his angels. And God wants all of us to miss that, but not all of us will. He wants us to be ready to make sure that we are ready for this particular moment. Now, last week, we started talking about the seven seals. And we saw, we got, we saw Christ opening each one of them, and we got to seal number five. So we're going to pick it up at seal number six, Revelation 6, 12. It says, as I watched, I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun fell as black as black cloth, and the moon became red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from trees shaken by mighty wings. And the sky was rolled up like a scroll and taken away. And all the mountains and all the islands disappeared. Then the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, wealthy people, the people with great power, and every slave and every free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried out to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of, the ra of their wrath has come, and who will be able to survive? 
Last week, the fifth seal was talking about things that were taking place in heaven. We saw the martyrs underneath um, the thing praying. The sixth seal is now talking about things that are going to take place on earth. So we're going to look at that verse by verse to see what he's talking about. Verse 12 says, I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. Now, remember, we talked about this. These things are not allegorical or symbolic. These are actual events that are going to take place. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be things that the word talks about. Now, we've all seen earthquakes take place in parts of the world that we never thought were possible. I guess we had an earthquake here a little while ago. Who'd have, who'd have thought Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania, would have an earthquake? But we think of San Francisco. We think of the Mediterranean. We think of other places that are prone to earthquakes. But we've seen them in areas that are not prone to earthquakes. We see that already. So when the Bible says there's going to be earthquakes and a great earthquake, we can believe it's going to happen everywhere. The Fire Bible Commentary says this, These catastrophic judgments involve a, involve a physical shaking of the entire earth, turmoil in the visible universe, and intense darkness and terror for the people. So when we think about an earthquake, if you were around when the earthquake in San Francisco hit, back in the 80s, I think, and it like, devastated the city, bridges collapsed. That was just one city. But the Bible says it's going to be everywhere. Verses 12 and 13 go on and says, I watched as he broke the seal. The sun became as black, as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth, and green figs, like green figs falling from trees, shaken by mighty wings. All this was prophesied before in the Old Testament, Isaiah 34, 4 says, The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. Their stars will fall from the sky just as withered leaves and fruit fall from a tree. And Joel gives us another version. In 2.30 he says, I will cause wonders in the heaven and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will turn blood red from the great and terrible day that the Lord arrives. And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, Matthew 24, he says, immediately after these horrible days end, the sun, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. All of nature, every aspect of nature is going to be shaken. The sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens, and that's the atmosphere and the universe. Not, not the third heaven, not heaven, but all of these things are going to be affected. Mountains and islands, the Bible says the islands will disappear. I heard, I think it was Tiff said something to the effect that, you know, if you have property on Hawaii, you might want to think about selling that. Because the Bible says, and again, not allegorical, islands will disappear. After such horrific earthquakes, you would expect the sky to be blackened by soot, basically covering the sun. The earthquakes will would result most likely in volcanoes, which would send dust and gas and ash into the sky, which would obscure your view of the sun. How many remember Mount St. Helens? Back in 80 or 81. I'm going to show a couple images. Look how that was just one mountain in the state of Washington. And the second one. That's what you see. Just from one mountain having one volcano. And then the 9-11, after 9-11 happened, 
That was just the building. So when he talks about the sky being blotted out, the earthquakes which result in volcanoes are going to black out the sky. Most commentators believe it's the stars falling are actually meteor showers. We have an image of that. That's what's going to happen. And when meteor showers happen, it's not just an image. The meteors are actually going to hit the earth. And it's going to destroy what things of the earthquakes and the mountains disappearing didn't. The last part of that says, like green figs falling from trees shaken by mighty wings. The figs falling referred to figs that didn't ripen in season and kind of hung on through the end of the season. They were left on the tree in the winter. And when the wind came, it kind of blew all the, the figs that didn't ripen. And you kind of compare that to believers. If we're not saved during the right season, we're going to be around for the bad season. Compare these verses. Isaiah 34, 4 says, Withered leaves and fruit fall from a tree. How many of you have trees around your house? A lot of trees. What happens in the fall? Leaves. Not just a few. Just tons of leaves, right? And he's comparing the, thing, the stars falling out of the sky as compared to the leaves that fall out of a tree. And in fall time, it's just huge numbers of these things are falling onto the earth. A lot of people are going to be affected by what happens. In fact, all of the earth, everyone living on the earth will be affected by this in some way. Earthquakes are going to affect every part of the earth, which result in volcanoes, which also result in the mountains being leveled at that moment from the volcano. Everyone's going to be affected. Verse 14 says, And the sky was rolled up like a scroll and taken away, and all the mountains and all the islands disappeared. Again, these aren't symbols. These are actual events that are going to happen. Mountains will be leveled, and islands will, we say sink, but will probably be discovered with water. Think tsunami. I think it was Indonesia or Philippines had a tsunami several years ago. Water washes over the area so great that the entire area is just covered with water. I mean, just think of New Orleans for a hurricane. It just came in and it just flooded out. That was all ground at one time. And that was just from one tsunami, one earthquake which produces tsunamis. So when the earthquakes happen in the water, everywhere, it's going to produce tsunamis which cover and blanket entire islands. And it will probably blanket states like Florida. All the coastal areas will be blanketed just like this is. I read a headline from a science magazine in 2019. It says, Earthquake Mountain Island disappears into the sea less than a decade after forming. So it's happening. You know, you... you you almost think this stuff is science fiction because it's just so unimaginable to believe. But it's already happening on a smaller scale. And at one time, it's soon, it's going to happen on the scale of the earth. Nobody alive at this point will be safe from any of the judgments that are going to fall on the earth. The only way of escape 
is to be ready for the rapture. That's why Jesus says, be ready, be alert. As I mentioned before, the tribulation is not the time of God's grace. The tribulation is technically the time of God's judgment. Now, people will be saved during this, and we'll see that in chapter 7, but the cost of salvation will be martyrdom and hardship. Everyone, they will, Christians will face this, and they will face persecution and death. So they're not going to be escaping all the horrors that come on the earth if you get saved during that time. But it's better than hell. If you get martyred during the seven years or you die during the seven years, it's seven years of misery. But it's not eternity in hell. God appoints no one to hell. God wants us to avoid all of this. But he says, even during this time, my grace is for those who haven't heard the gospel. I want you to be saved, but I know it's going it's to cost you to be saved. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God, while we look forward to that wonderful event when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is revealed. When I was in high school, I took, took Russian for three years. When I was in college, I took Russian for four years and took Russian history. I can say three words in Russian. <laughs> you know why? Because I did not keep up on it. You may be excited about the things of God, and the reason that God calls us to be together is to encourage each other and learn and grow and mature in the faith. Every time you come, it's meant to build you up. If you stay away from it, what's going to happen? you're going to fall away. If you don't keep up on the things of God, by default, it's going to be less and less to you, and you're going to be in a position where you're not ready for the rapture. That's why God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because I want to do work in the group, and I want to do you, bless you in the group. And you can receive things from a group that you cannot receive at home. That wasn't even in my notes. That was a bonus. As, we, as if you've heard the truth now, we said this last week, if you reject it, you're not going to receive God's grace in the tribulation. I gave you verses for that last week. Verse 15 says, Then the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy people, the people with great power, and every slave and every free person all hid themselves in caves and among the rocks and the mountains. Nobody, no matter what your wealth, your position, your power, nobody is going to be exempt from these things. Everyone is going to be facing these same judgments. But that also tells us that the church is going to be gone because the Bible tells us we're not to suffer wrath. We're not appointed to suffer wrath. And this is the wrath of God that's coming on the world why would the church be there if we're not to suffer wrath? So the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation starts. No one's going to be there. No Christian's going to be there. And those who are there, nobody will be exempt from it. The Bible tells us that what happens in Revelation is called God's wrath. Revelation 16.1 says, Now go your ways and empty out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. 
So believers, we won't be there. But everyone who has rejected Christ will be there. None of, your, none of their wealth, position, political power, military power is going to save them from the judgment. The first part of 15 says the kings of the earth, the rulers, generals, wealthy people, people with great power, none of what they think will save them is going to save them. Now we see today that people that have those things seem to be saved from justice. Right? People in positions of authority and power with money, they don't fall into the same judgment and trouble that us normal folk do. They seem to get away from it. But the Bible says there's coming a time where it's not going to help them. They think it's going to save them then, but it's not. But the last part of that verse says, and every slave and free person. So that means no distinction. People with power and authority and money, the same as everybody else. There's a song by Steve Taylor called uh, Madame Trousseau's. I don't know if you know if Steve Taylor was a Christian artist from way back when. One of the lines in his verse, he talks about, talking about the uh, Madame Trousseau's wax museum. And the song is, the temperature's going up and everyone's melting in the museum. And the one line says, good, bad, there they go, down the same drain. You can be a great person, but not know Christ. You can be an evil person and not know Christ. If you're here for the tribulation, good, bad, there they go down the same drain. We're all subject to that. There will be no distinction. Everyone alive, regardless of their position, is going to be subject to this wrath. And it falls on everyone who refuses to repent and those who persecute Christ's followers. You know what that shows us? That shows us that judgment and hardship don't always change people's hearts. They'd rather hide from God in fear than run to God for salvation. And not only do they hide from God, they continue to blaspheme him as we see the judgments continue. Revelation 16, 9 says, Everyone was burned by the fire, by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who sent all these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Verse 11, and they, caused, they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores, but they refused to repent of all their evil deeds. Verse 21, they cursed God because of the hailstorm, which was a very terrible plague. You think when people encounter hardship in their life, well, when people do, there's two choices, either turn to God or turn away from God. And how many people do we know when bad things happen, they shake their fist at God and blame God for what's happening rather than asking God to help them through what's happening? Verse 16 says, back in Revelation 6, and they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us. And again, a fulfillment of what Jesus said back in Luke 23. It says, but Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not born a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. Verse 30, people will beg the mountains to fall in them and the hills to bury them. 
people are going to hide from, try to hide from these judgments. And they're going to be so horrible and they're not going to find any place to go. It's going to be so bad that the caves won't even protect them because the caves are being, the mountains are being leveled by the earthquakes and they can't even kill themselves. They want to commit suicide and they can't. When they realize they can't hide from these, judge, these judgments, they're so desperate and despair, instead of coming to God, they want to kill themselves. They're talking to the mountains and rocks, but they're not calling on God to help them. <laughs> I wrote down here, how desperate and unrepentant do you have to be to talk to rocks and not to God? And the verse also tells us they realized where the torment was coming from. Verse 16, fall on us and hide us from the face of what? The one who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. They know where the judgment's coming from. They realize that it's God giving them judgment and yet they refuse to turn to God. And since God passed, God the Father passed the scroll to Jesus, Jesus now has the authority to issue judgment. And so they know that God the Father had the scroll. He's the one on the throne. He passed it to Jesus, the Lamb, and at this moment it says the wrath of the Lamb. So they know the ultimate wrath is coming from Jesus, not from God the Father. Because John 5 says this, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. They realize that the judgment's from God, and they realize it's ultimately from Christ who they've rejected their whole life. And yet, they refuse to believe. They refuse to ask God to help them. Even in kind of like a Hail Mary, Lord, help us. No. And I mentioned last week, if Christians hear the gospel now, they, don't, they refuse to repent now, they won't repent in the, uh, in the tribulation because God will send delusion on them that they believe the lie, the Bible says. And so this is an example of people who know, they see, they know it's from Jesus, they know God the Father is issuing judgment, and yet, rather than going to him, they want to die. They're unrepentant, they're believing in the deception of the enemy. And these judgments should indicate to us how much God hates sin and wickedness, and he's going to judge it. Echo. His wrath is, in the Bible, is defined as justified anger, judgment, and punishment. And it's directed to anyone who refuses his grace now because, and return from sin now. God's given everyone ample opportunity to believe. And the fact is, Everyone is deserving of God's wrath. How many, know, how many know that? We're all deserving of God's wrath. The Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus took the wrath upon himself now for those who believe now. Father Luke 22 says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. The cup in the Old Testament is a symbol of God's wrath. Isaiah 51, 17 says, Rise up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Jeremiah 25, 15. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath, 
and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. Jesus was taking the wrath meant for us now so we won't have to suffer that same wrath after in the tribulation. Remember our verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. And it should say now. God never designed it for people to receive God's wrath. He wanted everyone to escape the wrath that was coming. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent. You know, we all want the rapture to happen, but if you have loved ones that aren't saved, you're not so anxious for the rapture to happen because that means we're gone, and if they've heard the gospel, now they're not gonna receive it in the tribulation. That's scary. That's, that's one of the scariest things in the Bible, I think, that if you've heard it now and you refuse it, you can't do it in the tribulation. Matthew 25, 41 says, then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away from you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire. What? Prepared for the devil and his demons. It wasn't prepared for man. It's for all who follow the enemy. God wants everyone to escape the tribulation. God wants everyone to escape hell. But since God gives us free will, the ability to choose, God lets us choose. Those who will be suffering God's wrath then are choosing to ignore what Christ suffered now. You know what? God let them have their way. And now they're suffering for it. How many of you as parents let your child do something that you've told them not to do? You know they shouldn't do it, but now you're letting them do it because you want them to see what happens when they do it. If you do that, it's going to hurt. But if you want to do it, go ahead. Why? Because you want them to feel the consequence of whatever it is they're doing. Now, we don't go crazy and, you know, but if they're riding a big wheel or riding down a slide, don't, sw don't swing too hard, you're going to fall. And they fall, what do we say? Told you. And so I wrote down here, bad is the parent that always covers for their children and never lets them receive the consequences of their action. They get bailed out at every and any opportunity. We don't, the Bible says we should let them suffer the consequences of what they do. So they understand that there are consequences for that. But God doesn't do that. He allows you to choose, but he also allows you to receive the consequences of your choice. When David sinned, God forgave him, but he suffered consequences for it. Everyone who sins, God will forgive, but the consequences of those sins remain. And the consequence for not accepting Christ now remains in the tribulation. Verse, six, verse 17 says, for the great day of the wrath has come. Who is able to survive? You know what they're doing? They're remembering what they've heard when, before the tribulation started. 
Hey, we know the great day of wrath has come. We heard it about all our life. Now it's here. Who's going to save us? They're going to remember every time that they heard the gospel. If you look at Luke 16, the Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man remembered everything. He remembered when he heard it. He remembered all the things that he had. He remembered things. When you're in hell, you're going to have memory. You're going to remember every time that you heard the gospel and every time you refuse it. And you're going to remember all the things that you did to cause you to be there. These guys are remembering that they heard it. They heard about this wrath coming, and they still didn't repent. They're going to remember they were told at some point of God's coming judgment or wrath. A parent will tell a child, don't do that. It'll hurt. And the child does it anyways. And the parent says, I told you. And the kid remembers. Oh, yeah, they did tell me. And yet these folks did not return to God. So they ask a rhetorical question. Who will be able to survive? Well, the answer is nobody. Everyone is going to receive these judgments. No one will escape them. Even those who get saved during the tribulation, which we'll talk about next week, are going to endure not necessarily God's wrath, but the wrath of man. John 16, 2 says, For you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing God a service. John 15, since they persecuted you, naturally they will, since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me, for they don't know the God who sent me. The people who are Christians during this time will be the unfortunate people who recipients of wrath that's being poured out on everybody else. They'll be a part of that. It's not God's wrath on them. They just happen to be there. God did not appoint them to wrath. But since they didn't get saved during the first time, and they have an opportunity now, if they never heard the gospel, they can get saved then. But even then, what's happening to the world is going to happen to them. And in addition to that, they will suffer man's wrath. Because if you're a Christian during that time, the Bible says you're going to be martyred. You won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to do business. You will be martyred. Let me close with this. How many of you saw the bridge collapse in Pittsburgh? I know where that bridge is. It's up close to Oakland. Do you know the bridge was rated poor the last time it was inspected? The PA Department of Transportation gave the upper deck structure a four out of nine, which is poor, and a six out of nine for the support structure, which is also poor. There were ample implications, indication that the bridge was not safe, but it was dangerous, and yet it remained open and traveled. And yet, they didn't tell anybody. The PA Department of Transportation didn't tell anybody. It wasn't even on the list of bridges to re be repaired. I got this from Yahoo News, not my favorite source of news, but it says this. Pittsburgh Fire Chief Daryl Jones said there hadn't been any previous complaints to his department about the bridge, which would have forced fire crews to reroute to emergency routes. We would have been notified if the bridge had a problem, he said. There was never any restrictions. Looking at the bridge, it looked great, right? It was fine. You look at it, just casual glance driving across it, it, it was great. Right now, the world looks okay. 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but for the most part, we're not suffering any of this stuff. So, you know, we're good. I don't have to repair that. I don't, I don't have to fix anything. I wrote, the bridge of this world is one day going to collapse. And we've been warned that it will. Now we can do one of two things. We can either adhere to those warnings, receive them, and change what we're doing now to avoid the collapse. Or we can just keep driving across that bridge thinking it's not going to collapse on me. Do you see warning signs? And do you know what's up ahead? Well, if you know that, it's time to make a detour. You want to go around that bridge? You want to escape that bridge? Do you want the route that will keep you safe for eternity? What's the route? John 14, 6 says, I am the route, or the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. All this stuff is coming inevitably to our planet. And the only way of escape is to have a relationship with Christ. All the stuff that we did in the prayer stuff, that's bonus. If God doesn't do anything for us after salvation, that would be enough because we get to miss this. We get to miss the tribulation and, and more importantly, we get to miss hell. We get to be in paradise after we die. Would you stand? I'm going to close in prayer. Just close your eyes for a moment. As we've quoted before, Prophecy isn't meant to scare us, but to prepare us. Not my quote. So are you prepared? We're just at the beginning of Revelation. We're just at the beginning of the horrors that are going to happen on this planet. Are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to escape that? Bible says we need to keep ourselves alert. Alert. We know, we've been warned that this is coming. We've seen all the signs. And we know and we've been warned that the rapture is going to happen soon. Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, but we know that it's coming. And so we want to be ready for that. And the only way to be ready for that, to escape this stuff, is to believe that Jesus died for you. He didn't die. He died for the whole world, but he died for you. He came to forgive you of your sin. He came to give you a new, a clean slate that all the things you've done up to this point, the Bible says God will forget. He will cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. He chooses not to remember. But in order to do that, you have to realize that you're a sinner, like we're all sinners. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve God's wrath. But since Jesus came, he took that wrath on himself in my place, in your place. And the Bible says as many as receive it and believe it, not just in your head, but in your heart, and your heart causes a change 
in your life. A lot of people believe that Jesus existed. But not a lot of people have accepted that truth into their heart to change their life. If you're here this morning and you want that radical change, you're here because God wanted you to be here to hear something, to experience something. It wasn't by accident that you're here. The Bible says God will move anything around to get his will done, which means if you're here, God moved your life around to bring you here this morning because he desperately wants that relationship with you. The Bible says he stands at the doorway of your heart and he knocks. But you have to open the door for him. And if you've never done that, you can't look at a time in your life where you said, yes, I believe that Jesus died for me. If you can't look at a time or a date or a specific time that you did that, then maybe you don't know. But the Bible says today is a day of salvation. God brought you here today for that reason. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real high because I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you can tell yourself, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I really haven't been living my life in preparation for the rapture. And maybe I need to get right, get better. The Bible says, knowing these things are going to happen, we, we want to live our life pure. We want to be ready for it. Maybe that's you. Yeah, you come to church now and again, or maybe you're here all the time, but you're, in your personal life, you're, you know, no one else knows, but you know that you need to get better at having a relationship with Christ. And you want to be ready, fully ready, for the time when the rapture happens. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know who you are. So I'm going to pray for each one of us here. And we all could stand to be better in our life. We all can stand to let the Holy Spirit control more of what we do. So Father, we do come to you now and we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit which continues to mature us and grow us and make us more like you. And Father, we want to be ready. We want to live our lives ready for whenever it is you return. It could be today, it could be next week, next week, next month. But whenever that is, Lord, we want to be ready for it. We believe that that time is imminent. And we know what's going to happen after that time. We're seeing little parts of it right now. So we don't doubt what's going to happen here. We just want to make sure we're ready for it. We want to make sure we're gone when it happens. So Lord, I pray you'd fill each one of us continually with your spirit, continue to give us the desire and the unction to want to take time to know more about you, to read and to pray and to trust you for things. Father, all the needs we've mentioned this morning that we prayed for, we trust you. That's why we pray. We trust you to take care of them. And Father, when you do that, we will, we will know that it's you. And man, we will give you all the glory and credit and the honor because we know that you did it on our behalf. Pray for each person here. 
Let them grow a little bit more this week. Allow their maturity level in Christ to be to grow and help us to become more like you in every way. So Lord, I commit this church to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you Wednesday night. Let me know what God's doing. If you have an answer to that prayer, we want to know. We want to encourage others with that.